Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two, one. Let's go. Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your time. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two, one. Let's go. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with my man. I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway, Sir Marco. I forgot your last name already. Robinson. Robinson. I should have known that. How are you today, brother? I'm good, my friend. Yeah, I'm in the lockdown in England until May. So, oh Well, I thought yeah. it was March. No, they, they, they've now done four lockdowns. This is the, last, this is the fourth lockdown. So now nothing's going to be open until May the 17th. Good Lord. Yeah, good Lord. Do you Lord. foresee it happening again? I think it will. I think it will. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to put a conspiracy theory on you, but it's, it's very fishy what's going on around the world right now. I, yeah, you just got to look at who's benefiting. Big pharmaceutical companies, the people that own them, the governments, and God knows what. You know, so, yeah, we're just victims of an experiment, aren't we? We Very much so, dude. We could go on for the next three hours about this, and you and I, I have a feeling, would have a very good conversation because we are absolutely on the same page. Love so. It. Yes, absolutely, dude. I hate that for you guys, but it is what it is right now. And on this podcast, there ain't a damn thing we can change about that other than just get the message out. So um, before we started the podcast today, you shared something unbelievable with me that I wasn't even aware of. And so I would like for you, you don't even have to start at that spot, but I'd like for you to take us through, you know, kind of what the evolutions of your life have been, what has been impactful, what has it, what you've done, what you haven't done. And let's talk about those things. So I'm ready to listen. I can't wait. I'm super excited. Okay. So yeah, there's some, there's some shocking things I'm going to share today that hopefully will inspire other people to say, right, you know what, if he can do that, I can do that. And that's really what is my, my life's really all about saying to people, sticking the middle finger up and saying, listen, guys, you can do it, you know? It doesn't matter where you're from, what color you are, what language you speak, who you have a relationship with. What matters is how badly do you want to succeed? That's right. Now, when I was two years old, my mum left my dad. He was a gambling addict. He spent all the money he had, all my mum's money, 
So she was 23, I was two. She left him with basically no money. And she went to live with her mum and her stepfather in the north of England, which is very cold in January. It was snowing, etc. What I didn't know at that time was that my mum had been sexually abused since she was four years old by her stepfather. So for her to go back to that environment was a terrifying ordeal for her to do that. And the stepdad said on the doorway to my grandma, it's either me or them. And my grandma said, you can't stay. So we went, we had nowhere to go. We lived in the park for three days in freezing temperatures, nearly died. And we got taken in by friends of a friend. My mum was not educated, so she couldn't really get a great job. She was working casual work um, from town to town, you know, that kind of thing. So I went to about 50 schools before I was even 11 years old. And then I had bright ginger hair. I mean, literally, it was like a beacon like this. Bing, bing, bing. So anywhere I went, everyone knew I was there. And I was the shyest kid in school because my life was about surviving. It wasn't about enjoying. I couldn't, I didn't see the, uh, I didn't see a point in enjoyment because my mum was so in such a bad place, you know. So she met my stepdad, who we thought was a great guy, you know, funny guy, told a lot of jokes, very affable kind of character. But then he turned into this violent person that used to beat her up. And I witnessed her being thrown down the stairs as an eight-year-old kid. And it was very traumatic. You know, I used to, I used to go to my bedroom and literally sleep under the bed and cry myself to sleep. Or I would run away from home. And that was my life until I was 15. And then she left him. And now she's with the same guy, thank God, for, the, for, for, for 35 years. Um, but up until I was 15, I was bullied to shit, man. I was, it, was, it was crazy. When I was 15, something happened to me where I was in my friend's garage. Well, I thought I was my friend. And I was in the middle of a circle with 20 boys being kicked and punched and God knows what. And I saw red. And literally, the last thing I remember, I was running down the road, chasing 20 boys, saying, come on! And I felt validated as, as basically, oh, my God, I'm actually, I'm actually a human being. I can do this shit, you know? So I found some courage. And that kind of pivoted my life a lot. And it made me get out and, and go to, to work and get some jobs. I didn't have any qualifications. I left school at 15. I had no high school diploma or anything like that. And I worked a lot of jobs. I got into sales at 21 years old. I was the fucking worst salesperson in the company for six weeks. Couldn't sell a damn thing. And I was selling one of the hardest products. It was Timeshare. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So I was selling Timeshare in, in Tenerife, and I was based in Manchester. So I had to sell an intangible product for $10,000. And I was the worst at it. I hadn't got any sales yet. And, my, and I was staying outside of my hometown in the city. I was months behind with my rent. There's not really any food in the cupboard. And it was getting worse and worse. So my internal narrative was during that time, why am I such, the question I was asking myself, why am I such a loser? Maybe I should do cleaning, go and casual work. I'm not good enough for this, you know? That was my narrative all the time. Yes. Worst salesperson in the company. And my internal narrative was, oh, I'm such a loser. And then it got to a stage where I was desperate. I, I, either, I either would have to go back to my hometown when I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go back to that kind of scarcity and pain or I stayed where I was. So what I did, I, just, I, I basically changed the question inside my head to how can I be successful? And I kept asking that question day and night. And then one day, two days after asking that question, I went into the office and the top salesperson approached me and said, Marco, I know you don't think that you're any good, but actually I used to be like you. I was just like you. I was shy, I didn't think any sales I was the worst salesperson ever and something changed for me and I want to help you man that 
I, let me just stop you for a quick second. I have a feeling that the next part of this story is going to be, um, yeah. So, isn't it amazing when somebody just believes in you? It, it can change the game for you. So go go ahead, go ahead. Well, it was the it was the game changer of my life, literally, because I didn't expect that. And you know, why would he do that to me? But he just right. said, "I wanted to, I want to help because I used to be like you know, I think I can help you." And it was like he said it was his give back because there are so many people in that position that don't get a mentor or in, an intervention like that. So he said to me, he said, listen, I'm going to give you a book. This book changed my life. I want you to go home and read it and don't stop reading it until you get the message. Now, I had nothing to lose. So what am I going to do? I'm going to listen to the top salesperson because it's the top salesperson. So I went home and I read the book eight times. It's the first book I ever read cover to cover. And I didn't go to sleep. And I got up in the morning and I ran. I ran five miles to the office. And I was so hot, my, my suit was wet through with sweat. So they sent me home to get changed. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> kicking the balls, right? So anyway, yeah. I got back to the office. And, but I, was, I had this, this different belief system in my mind. I, was, I completely shifted the way I thought about things. So you see, if you change the way you see the world, the world changes, right? Now, I didn't know that psychology at the time. I just felt really good. And my first prospects were both blind. He was blind and she was blind. They had a guide dog. So I'm, I'm thinking in the back of my head, how the hell am I going to sell them anything? They can't even see me, let alone the timeshare, right? <laughs> so I'm freaking out, hustling. What am I going to say to these? I, I can't say to them, can you see how beautiful as beach is? Because that's it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So... I'm in this situation and thought, right, okay, fuck it. I said, what's going to happen today is you're going to sit there for five hours. You're going to love what I'm going to show you. I don't care if you can't see or not. And you're going to spend $10,000 and you're going to put it in your credit card. You're going to give me a credit card. And then you're going to give me a big hug at the end of it and say, this is the best thing we've ever done in our lives. So I, I said, love that. such an intention. I didn't give a shit what the reaction was going to be. Does that oh, make, yeah, I know that makes sense yeah. to Corey. You had nothing to lose. I had right? nothing to lose. Nothing. nothing to lose. So anyway, it was a six-hour battle because there were obje- objects. They were telling me objections, but like, oh, we can't afford it. We, we can't. We're blind. We can't. You know, six hours. But whenever any objection came up to me, I was like, "Pop, bring it on, baby! I will overcome that motherfucker right now." Right. So I overcome every objection, and six hours later, he said, "You know what, Marco?" I've never, I never thought I'd say this, but you were absolutely right. And here's my credit card. Put $10,000 on it. I love that story. Let me tell you why I love it. I love that. This is why I teach people to do exactly what you just, that's the second part of my, 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 my uh, sales process is the upfront contract. And that's exactly what you just said is exactly that. I love that. Go ahead. So the, the upfront contract is basically, if you, if you don't do that, you're not going to do anything. You've got to do it in everything you do with every That's transaction. Right. You're so right. So they bought, and I asked them, I said, listen, because I was very naive. I said, listen, why did you buy from me? And they said, what, this is your first sale? I said, yeah, it's my first. <laughs> it's like the worst thing a salesperson can say, right? Yeah. So they laughed. I said, well, we didn't expect that, but I'll tell you why we bought from you. The reason, because we were talking with each other when you weren't around. And we said, the reason we bought from you is because what you did 
you transferred your belief in your product to us. Then we believed it and we saw ourselves using it and we loved it. And that statement that he made completely changed my life. So I became salesperson of the month, salesperson of the year. I broke the world record in sales in that industry because of that statement. What was the book? What was the book? Now, the book... Well, everyone asked me that question. Everyone asked me that question. <laughs> but to preframe it, it was the right book at the right time with the right message. Sure. Now, the book was actually a very old book. It was called Bring Out the Magic in Your Mind. And it was written by a magician in 1957 called Al Quran in England. It's an amazing book. And I'd buy, you can't buy it. You have to buy like a – it's not available. It's not printed anymore. That's what I'm saying. Sure. So you have to kind of get it from a rare bookshop, something like that, on Amazon somewhere. But yeah, it was the right message at the right time because that book was about bring out the magic in your mind. And it was all about believing yourself. So it was just the right message. And then from then, um, I got offered jobs literally everywhere. And one of the opportunities I got offered was to come to Malaysia and run a public company to take it to a big prospect because they'd heard about my reputation. They wanted me to do it. They got the money. So I went over there, flew over there, 12 hours, very long way away. And everyone said, everyone said, people living trees in Malaysia don't go in third world country. But I didn't believe it. And when it went there, I was totally, completely amazed by this place. Everyone spoke English. It was lots of money around. Just an amazing place. So I went there and three months later, they couldn't, they couldn't pay my salary or my commission because they had the Asian economic crisis. You might remember that, but a lot of people don't remember that because it was 1997. Sure. So George Soros completely destroyed the economy. Oh, God. Yeah, so, you know, we're kind of having familiar things with Antifa now, aren't we? Stuff like that. Yes, we are. Very much so. So Soros destroyed the economy. But what the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister Mahathir, he did something revolutionary. He actually brought back all the currency into the country that everyone had. And he pegged the US dollar to the currency. And he actually saved the country. But what I did is I had to be really innovative and... I was selling timeshare for $20,000 in Malaysia where, where the average salary was 500 US dollars a month. It's just not going to happen. Good Lord. Yeah. Right. So what I had to do is I had to split that into seven, instead of one week, I had to split it down to one day and create a point system where people could actually holiday. Okay. So the distance between the wealthy and the, the poor in Malaysia is huge. Not as not way, way huger than America, put it that way. But there was still a lot of money there. So I changed the model of the business and I turned it into a $2 billion company within three years. Just with innovating. And I have literally 5,000 staff. It was a monster. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. And here's the and, and it was the same result, right? You still got the same result. You just changed the way the result, the way you got the result. Yeah. Love it. Same goal, just change the model. That's it. And then I did that for three years and it did really well financially. But when I got to 30, that was about three years after that. 
one day I was giving a seminar in the sales office and I collapsed with a heart attack. Oh, no. So I was literally rushed to the hospital, spent quite a bit of time in hospital and said, listen, uh, Marco, you've got to slow down because I was wanting success so badly that I would work 19 hours a day, seven days a week, and my family would be compromised and, you know, my personal time because I knew that I needed to make hay while the sunshine. That was my kind of philosophy, yeah. But it backfired. So I recovered. And then when I, when I got out of hospital, I found out my wife was having an affair with my best friend. And I'd known them. I'd known him 10 years. I'd known her 10 years. So it was like a double betrayal. And the pain on an emotional level was something I, I, I just can't describe to you, Corey. It was, it was the worst pain. It was w- way worse than a heart attack because it's, it's stuck with me a long time. That had to hurt. So, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, but I know that there's going to be a good thing that's going to come out of this. Yeah, I mean, it was 20 years ago, so you know, I'm over, I'm over that now. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, what don't kill you make you stronger, doesn't it? Now, that's exactly right. The, 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 the third thing that happened was I had about two million in stocks mm-hmm. that I bought in the company that I was working with, and they played me, and I lost all my money in the stock market. Oh. So, I had a heart attack, broken marriage, no money. So, what do I do? Well, I had two children and I was worried that they wouldn't have a father like I did. So I, I, I made the bigger mistake of going back to my marriage. I shouldn't have, that was, a, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that because I spent the next seven years after that in a loveless marriage that I didn't trust for the sake of the children. Um, so that was a mistake. But what I also did is I became a default entrepreneur. I decided that I was never, ever ever going to have a boss ever again just didn't want a boss ever again i didn't want anyone telling me what to do because i knew what to do and i'd spent pretty much i'd spent the last 10 years of my working life making other people rich and not me and i that was a big a big learning curve you know what i mean Corey? yes i absolutely do and i gotta be honest with you dude i i will never as long as i live if i if i can help it and i can i will never work for anybody else ever yeah. I don't like being told what to yeah. do. I just don't. Um, that was my, that's exactly what I said to myself. So listen, I don't care if I'm meeting out of a trash can. I was not fucking working for anybody anymore. No way. Because basically what I connected with that working for somebody else was I was, I was a slave and it affected my health and my relationships and my money. So I wasn't right. going to do it. Again. So basically I, 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 at that time I had a lot of experience and track record. So I started doing small consultancy jobs and I stayed in Malaysia because I liked the country, I liked the weather and it was very cheap to live. So as an entrepreneur, it's very cheap to kind of start a new business. And then I started doing motivational events like Tony Robbins would do, like with a thousand people, I'd start doing that sort of stuff, uh, which is really enjoyable. And then in 2008, um, I had, that was probably my best year up to date because I had the best day of my life. And the best day of my life was when I left my wife. <laughs> I know it sounds bad in a way. No. It was the best thing I did for me because it was like releasing a ton weight off my head because she she didn't align with my decisions. If I wanted to take a risk, she said, no, that's too risky. So I'd have to hold back. Right. So when I left her, it wasn't about the betrayal anymore. It was about we just don't have anything in common anymore. When I left her, I said, right. So there's two things I want to do this year. I want to write a book and I want to make it a number one bestseller. So I wrote my first book. And while I was doing that at the same time, I was working a lot of stuff, doing a lot of projects, but I, was, I also had an idea to start a new company where I didn't have to worry about consultancy anymore. 
and I found a hack from my experience. So I found out that a lot of hotels in the world have empty rooms they never sell. So I approached the people I knew and I asked them to give me those rooms for free. And I would make sure the clients ate in their restaurants and stuff like that. And so I got quite a few rooms for free. And what I did is I packaged them into a voucher, called it a vacation incentive. And I sold it to companies as an incentive for them to sell their products. So buy a watch, get a free holiday, buy an iPhone, get a free holiday. Sure. And it became so successful, I sold to Citibank, Rolex, Shell, Mercedes, Ikea, all blue chip companies I was selling to. And I was able to turn it into a network marketing opportunity and, and recruit about 2000 people into it. Wow. And then that book I wrote became a number one bestseller. It's called Close the Deal and Suddenly Grow Rich. And that basically the book was written on my experience of, you know, the best processes in, in sales and the best ways to do it. And that was really successful. And I got into real estate. In fact, I did a lot of US real estate because a lot of my friends asked me, you know, where's the best place to buy? So definitely the USA It's cheap. Your rental is really high. You can flip it, blah, blah, blah. And I started moving into property development, that kind of uh, thing. And in 2017, um, Channel 4 TV in the UK, they asked me if I would like to come on TV with my own show and give a house away to a homeless family to address the social housing issue in the country. Because a lot of people still can't afford a property or the deposit to buy a property to get a mortgage. And they said, we'd heard about your life story. We, we really love you to do it. So I said, yeah, right, I'll do it. Fuck it, I'll do it, you know? Of course. So, yeah, so I made the TV show, gave three houses away, paid the mortgage off, and then started my own charity called Freedom X, where I take people off the street now, still do it now in the pandemic, get them accommodation, get them food, and get them retrained into a job or, or, or a micro business, for example. So that was a, a massive thing for me. And it also gave me a lot of attention, a lot of PR. It went to like 70 countries. Now, yeah, at the side of this, in about 2015, the story I was sharing with you at the beginning. So people ask me, are, are you a real, you called Samarka? Are you a real knight? Were you knighted? I said, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm very humble about that. I'm not, you know, an egotistical person like that. I say, if you ask me, I'll tell you, right? So I found out that in Malaysia, there was 350,000 blind people that were not allowed to have a guide dog because they couldn't go outside because the Muslim culture stigmatized dogs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so Muslims think, a lot of, not all Muslims do, but a lot of the religion teaches that dogs are dirty. So a lot of the population believed that was the case. And so they wouldn't let dogs anywhere, especially guide dogs. And actually guide dogs are very, very intelligent creatures. They can hold, they're trained to hold their bladder for six hours. I don't know if you knew Good that, but I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, they're very, that? they're very clever. So I, I said to myself, right, I need to do something about this. So I said, why don't we make a film and we call the film, Are You Blind? And we get a guide dog, we bring the guy, I had to pay 15 grand for a guide dog to import it from China. We started making this film and we filmed this guy going into public transport, trains, buses, taxis, into shopping malls. And basically we filmed him being turned away, being refused. So what we did, we kept going back again and we got further in and then we get, eventually there was guns out and took us to the office, the police were there and all that kind of shit but they didn't know we were filming it. So anyway, we edited this film into a 15 minute short film. You can see it on YouTube, I'll send you the link. Sure. We, ed we, we edited this film and then we put it out on Facebook and it got 50 million views in seven days. And I'm going, holy fuck, right? That is a Actually, lot. These, these blind people came out of nowhere 
and just went on our side and just campaigned for it on Twitter. It was crazy. And then the king of Malaysia's office called me and I didn't believe it was the king of Malaysia's office. Because yeah. Malaysia is actually a Commonwealth country. That I don't know if you know that. I didn't know that. No. Yeah, it's a Commonwealth country. So it's like Canada is to the UK. Okay. So the, the office said, listen, we've seen your film. We're very embarrassed that the king would like to see you. And I was kind of like, really? That doesn't sound too good. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. Because at this point, you don't know if you've exposed something that's upset the guy or if you've... That's actually probably exactly what you thought had happened. It, well, yeah, I did. So... I insisted that we meet in a neutral country. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. don't so blame we, you we met in Singapore, which was next door to Malaysia. So, and he, they said, we had met in a very private office, they had dinner and stuff like that. I said, Mr. Robinson, first of all, we want to thank you for making the film to bring to our awareness of the pain that blind people are going through in this country. We were very scared and embarrassed. We didn't whether to get rid of you in the forest or give you a knighthood. He was laughing when he was saying this, right? right. I said, just give me the knighthood. That's okay with me. I don't want the first one. Thank you. <laughs> so they gave me a knighthood and, um, you know, they changed the law. So now those guide dogs can go in those, those public places. So, so let me out. ask you, what, what is that, you know, other than, you know, and I know you, just like you said at the beginning of the call, you're like, you don't have to call me that because, you know, just call me Marco. What does that do for you? in terms of outside of it, I'm sure some folks, it would be a, a massive ego boost. And it may have been for you, but maybe you just recognize that it wasn't really smart to act on that. What does that do for you to be to be called that and, and to be a knight? What does that mean? Well, first of all, I, I didn't do that. I didn't make that film to get a knighthood. Oh, of course first not. I didn't right. even expect that. Of course, but um, it didn't even enter your mind, did it? Yeah, yeah. I just did it because I'm philanthropist. That's what I love to do. I love to help people. Sure. So what it does, it opens a lot of doors. Okay. So when I go, for example, when I go on Clubhouse, you know, oh, we got a night in the room, look, we bring them to stage straight away, you know? And I also get people asking me about my life story like you're doing now in a podcast. That's why I run this podcast, for example. Sure. Um, so it's opened a hell of a lot of doors for me and put me into a different kind of network that of people, other people that want to help. Yeah. Now it's also created a lot of jealousy. Yeah, so I get way more trolls, right? I get way more jealousy. And, and, and you're, you're in, I met you on Clubhouse, right, Corey? Is that where we connected? Cor correct. Yeah. Yes, sir. So when I, there, there are some rooms on Clubhouse, I'm not going to mention names, right? Because I think I'll do it after this, this call. Sure. But there probably are people. Don't even, you probably don't even have to. I probably know exactly. But anyway, I'm with you. Go ahead. So they bring me up to stage. He brought me up to stage to talk about my film, Legacy of Lies, which went to number four on Netflix. It trended at number four last week. Is it, okay, wait, is this a different film? Yeah. This oh, is a wow. That's a, I'll tell you about that story in a minute. Okay. So when I went to this room, and I think it was last week, and the, the, one of the guy moderators brought me up to talk about the film, and, it, and a certain person decided to start ripping my bio to pieces and you know, got the audience to take part. I said, listen, guys, I came here to be interviewed, not, not for an inquisition. If you want to do that, pick someone else. If you want to interview me, interview me. So then they shut up, right? And then I said, okay, we're sorry, blah, blah, blah. But I'm talking, there's quite a few, a lot of people on Clubhouse that are very, very much into, we're going to bring people on stage, we're going to bully them, and we're going to make them buy our courses because we're going to bully them into submission because we're going to make them look like an idiot and try and discredit them. So right. there's a lot of that going on right now. 
And for all your listeners, I want your listeners to understand, don't fall for that crap. And if you need any help, you reach out to me and reach out to Corey because Corey's on the same page as me. And he, Corey will not stand for that shit either. Nope, that's right. But you know it happens. And I know you know who it is. I do know. I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly. There's two guys and, and we, don't, we won't name their names, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, cool. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page. So anyway, now we go to the film Legacy of Lies. So I, I'd wanted to make a film pretty much all of my life. I mean, since, it, since I was like five years old, I was the guy at the back of the class looking out the classroom, imagining myself as James Bond. That's right. what my reality was, because my life was so shit. It was so dramatic, dramatic and emotional. My imagination was my only salvation. Literally, no one could reach me in there. So I stayed there. And that's why in school, I, was, I wouldn't talk to anybody. It would just stay inside my head. So anyway, the, I, but the problem was I never got round to doing it because I was so busy being successful, right? So seven years ago, I said, right, I need to do this film. We need to make this film. So I approached someone that I knew was a filmmaker. I'd known them for about three, four years. We started writing a script together. I invested 25,000 US dollars and I never saw her again. Oh, shit. <laughs> you yeah. gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Yeah, because I wanted it so bad, I didn't really research this person I was working with. <laughs> no upfront contract in that deal. Right. So anyway, the good thing was that from that tragedy, there was a person I met called Victor Sola. He was a Spanish actor. And he introduced me to a guy called Adrian Ball, who's the director of Legacy of Lice, which you can see on Netflix or Amazon Prime in the, in the US right now. And I went to Holland to meet him and he, he'd got a, a great track record of making MTV videos, music, a film award, lots of independent film awards, that kind of stuff. I got to know him over about six months and then, yeah, this guy's decent. So he had a script that we worked on and the script was called Truth 99. It was based on the true story of how the Russians bombed a building in Kiev and killed 300 families. Now his wife was Ukrainian, so she lost somebody in that, in that particular bombing. So it was a great story, but it was a bit political, if you know what I mean. Yes, I so, do. Yeah, so we did all the PR and we spent 50 grand doing all that. We get a lot of attention. And then one day, Adrian called me and said, uh, Marco, you need to sit down right now because I need to tell you something and you need to prepare. I said, what's wrong? He said, just sit the fuck down right now. Hmm. He said to me, your face, your Facebook and your Instagram is all over Russian news TV. And it's gone to 100 million viewers. And they're saying that you are crazy going after Putin and you're going to lose your life. Now, I didn't believe what the fuck I was hearing. So I got the news clip. I got the news clip sent over to me. I had it translated and sure enough, everything was on the news. They'd circled comments about what I was saying about Russians and stuff like that. It was absolutely surreal. And it was the only time I've been really scared in my life. Holy cow, I bet you were scared shitless. Yeah, true story. Well, anyway, the same time this was going on, there was a girl, there was a girl that I was talking to on Instagram for about a year. And she said one day, and she was a Russian girl. Now, I didn't connect the two at the time. She was a Russian girl, and she said, can I come and see you? I said, yeah, absolutely, come and see me. So she stayed with me. And we, in bed one day, she said, Marco, I don't think you should make that film. And I said, what? What would, what would make you say that? Didn't, are you interested in my film? She says, because... I'm not who I say I was. I'm actually a Russian FSB agent. Holy shit. And you've been watched now for a year. Your phone's attacked. 
your office is tapped, and I'm a weapon stealer. My best-selling weapon is cyanide. This is what she said, and I'm related to Putin. And if you make that film, you might lose your life. What the fuck? So basically, a Russian spy was sent to kill me, but I ended up shagging them. <laughs> you're like the Austin Powers. Uh, I mean, you're almost... Spy who shagged me, right? Yes. yes. And you got the red arrow. Holy shit. That's bizarre. What the fuck? What, what, did you, what did you think when she said, like, what did you say? Well, again, I was just like, fucking hell, discombobulated, isn't it? I just didn't believe it. What the hell, you know? And I checked it out. I checked the story out. Yep, the phones were tapped. Yep, she was who she said she was. So I, I had to, you know, my family said, don't make the film. So we, we had to bin the project completely. So strike two, right? So anyway, we just let everything quieten down for six months. And we, then we said, right, well, why don't we just make a film, a fictional film? but based loosely on those events. So we called it Legacy of Lies and it's a spy thriller. And we were kind of, I was kind of down on money then to make this film. It was like spent 75 grand and got nothing back whatsoever. So I got 10 grand together and I made the trailer, the film, the, the full cinematic trailer. So I used like, in, in the film industry, we call it A-roll and B-roll. So A-roll is you film it yourself and B-roll is you buy the footage to transition to make it a decent film, like piece. Sure. So I submitted that to the Ukraine Film Foundation and we won first prize. We won a million dollar grant. Hell yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, that's, wow, that's amazing. That's unreal. So we hit, we hit it out of the park on the strike three, right? So we got this grant, but the condition was to access all of the grant, we had to get an A-list actor of influence that could bring money, more money into the film to de-risk the grant. Does that make sense? That does make sense, yes. So we searched all the A-list actors like, you know, Bruce Willis, Schwarzenegger, Stallone. And they were like, the cheapest was like 8 million and they were busy for like three years. So even if you had the money, you couldn't get them anyway. Sure. So we searched literally for two and a half years. And at the last minute, a guy called Scott Adkins, who was arguably the, the world's top martial arts action film star right now in the world currently and if you haven't seen his story currently at, at the time or currently currently, currently. currently it, then he wasn't assigned but now he's wow yeah. so he's been in expendables he's, he's done his own films called undisputed boyka it's done like doctor strange but those are not his main films his main films are martial art action, action films so he came on because he dropped out of another film we had to find a hundred thousand dollars to put in escrow before he would sign on he signed on we started making the film in May 2019, and halfway through the filming, we ran out of money. Oh, shit. <laughs> Strike four. So, <laughs> shit, what are we going to do now? So at that time, um, Cannes Film Festival was, was on at, this, at the time, in July, in, in France. So we said, fuck it, let's just use our network. So we, we managed to get hold of a yacht from a friend of a friend. We cut a new trailer, and we went to Cannes. And we sold, we pre-sold six geographical regions in the world for 300,000 US dollars each. We raised another 1.8 million and we finished the film. Hell yeah, dude. That's yeah. such a great story. Holy shit. So my, I think I'm just going to read you now on my uh, profile and clubhouse is, because this is the most interesting story people want to know about. 
my icebreaker is you may think you're cool, but have you slept with a Russian spy that was sent to kill you? True story. So, so people ask me about that story. It's the first thing. They go, Marco, come on, tell us about this Russian, you know? So, yeah, so we made the film. We got it to post-production. And in January last year, we couldn't put it in the film, in the, in the theater, because the, the virus came. Right, of course. All the cinemas were closed. I thought, oh, shit. And we, we'd signed thousands of cinemas, so we, we couldn't make bank because we couldn't release it. Right. So we put it on Amazon Prime in the States. And then two weeks ago, we released it to Netflix in the UK, went, to, went straight to number four. We beat all the Hollywood films, all the network, Netflix films. And that was redemption. You know, that was redemption. It was an, That's probably the best time in my life that I'm watching myself in TV and I'm number four. I'm going, oh, my God, I'm not even, I know an actor, but, you know, I made this film because I know the story behind it kind of thing. That's so freaky. I mean, what what the hell did that feel like when you saw number four on the tele? I mean, that's got to be the most exhilarating feeling you've ever had. It was. It, 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 you know what? It actually, people ask me, well, what, was it a better feeling than the knighthood or the TV show? And actually it was because yeah. it was for me. It was for me. The, the knighthood was not necessarily for me. It was helping a lot of people. And I got a lot of fulfillment from that, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't my deepest desire. So I didn't even know someone that my friend called me, said, listen, number fucking four. Netflix says, what? <laughs> so my girlfriend surprised me. She did like a, like a opening night in my flat, in my apartment. And she decorated it all and everything, and it was amazing. You know, it was just, it just amazing, surreally amazing. Yeah. Gosh. Now, I think my question would be, which was better, the 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 day you got the second divorce, or or the film? <laughs> I think they, they can see how they're oh, yeah, okay, closely tied. <laughs> I think it's relative, isn't it? At that time, the divorce was magical because it it made my world. Uh, it gave me freedom. That's what it did. Absolutely. And, and the film fulfilled my oldest desire to be in a movie playing a, a secret agent, you know? So that was it. That is absolutely incredible. So what, what's next? Because this has just happened. Like, it's currently happening. This, so this just happened, yeah, in the last two so, weeks. So, yeah, so, so, what, 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 so what's next? I know you have other shit that you're going to do, right? There's no way you don't have other things. Do you mind sharing? What, what do you have coming up next? Sure. Well, in... in in the lockdown, which was very heavy in England, um, I decided, you know what, I need to learn how to do an online business. I need to learn that because I wanted my income to be more sustainable. I wanted it to grow without me having to go and travel everywhere because I used to, I used to travel on a plane all the time. I don't know what you like. Corey, you know what that's like. You've done it for yourself. I do. I do. Um, so I said, right. So I, I probably invested about $60,000 into mentors. In January, I started my first online business called the Online Success Formula. So I teach people how to start an online business, whether it's e-commerce, social media agency, or their own course using their expertise. That's doing very well. And I also started a course for, for actors and filmmakers that are struggling to get to Netflix and the big screen. I thought, fuck it. I know how to do that now. I can monetize that. Absolutely. Right? So I, I created a new business, and now... I charge like 15K for people. I write, I finish the script, I film the trailer for them, and then I go and get it funded and get it to Netflix. Dang, so that's, what I'm that, that's a great deal. Yeah. That's a great deal. Yeah. That is incredible. So, how many people are you working with on the actor side? And then, how many people are you working with on the uh, just the online business? 
or teaching folks how to do an online on business? the online business i started on in january 9th and i have done about 150,000 usd in sales on that good for you yeah um and i've not even advertised that's just organically so far um the film one i've got about six people on that now yeah okay. it's just, they're both just new businesses they're brand new you know? yeah like less than three months old yeah wow that is pretty incredible. That's pretty impressive. I got to tell you, that is very impressive. Well, it's, it is, but you know, I've, I've used my experience in sales and marketing that helps <laughs> mm, massively. And, yeah. and that's the thing. Uh, if people could just understand those two things, those two things are the are the two things that you absolutely need to have a successful business. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like absolutely. you said, the, the pre, the pre, the pre-call contract and all that, I knew all that before, but I just clarified it when I got these mentors, what you actually do, because obviously you book a phone call and stuff like that. So, so I, yeah, I mean, I've, I've learned those skills. I mean, I've earned them. I paid time and money to learn those skills and I just basically monetized it. And it was, it was, the, it just fell into place like that. You know, that is beautiful. I love that. So, wow. Uh, so do you have films in mind for these six people? Do you, I mean, obviously they have a film in mind. That's why they're, they're finishing. The well, they have a script. So they're at different levels of, of um, experience. So they have a, a, it's either a beginner or quite advanced that they've, they've written lots of scripts that they can't get anywhere. So, you know, I, I doctor the script and make sure the script is like, it's jumping off the page. Only sure. then do I film a trailer. See, a lot of filmmakers think they don't have to make a trailer. They can just send the script into a studio. It does not work like that anymore. And the reason it doesn't work like that anymore is because Netflix are in so much demand. They don't need right. you. Right. You don't need it, you know? So you've got to be different. And you've got to use a different blueprint to get there. That's right. You got to stand out amongst the crowd. If you don't, you're just one of the crowd. Yeah. And that goes for any industry. If you want to be disruptive, if you want to be different, if you want to be more successful than everybody else in your field, you have to stand out in some shape, form, or fashion. Yeah, yeah I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, Marco, geez, man, this has been, I, I, I had no idea the treat I was in for today. So I, this has been absolutely phenomenal. And I just, I just really want to just thank you so much for coming on today and sharing this story with me and giving me your time today because I really... I know that everybody that is going to listen to this is going to enjoy it. If you don't mind, if you could just run through the names of the films real quickly and then where people can find you, because I want to make sure that anybody that listens to this, they can go straight to that in the show notes. Okay. So the best place to reach me is my Instagram, Marco Robinson. Now Instagram, Marco Robinson. Now, and you can see all my work on there. The feature film is called Legacy of Lies. It's on Amazon Prime in the United States and Netflix in the UK. The blind film is called Are You Blind? It's on YouTube. Beautiful. Okay. That's perfect. Marco, again, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Thank you so much. And I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Corey. My pleasure. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast.
We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.